Hey, would you mind standing to your feet? Let's, uh, let's do a declaration. We always do this as we're starting off a new series, and today's no different. We're starting a new series today. Would you, would you mind saying this after me? Say, today is a new day, a defining moment, a day to remember. Today I declare, get ready, mediocrity is dead. Oh, we're going to say that again. Mediocrity is dead. Excellence my goal. Eternity my pursuit, and Jesus my everything. Today I declare, I will rise higher in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, give God a big old applause if that's really your belief today. Why don't you just turn around real quick, give someone a high five, and you go ahead and be seated today. Well, there's a story in the Bible about a young man named Joseph. Most of you are going to be familiar at least somewhat with this story. There was actually something really incredible about this young man. He was so special that his father Jacob made him his favorite son, and he crafted this, what we call the coat of many colors. It was an outer robe that was filled with so many radiant colors that it signified his love, his dear affection for his son Joseph. Joseph had 11 brothers. How would you like to have grown up in that environment? 11 brothers, so a total of 12. Um, Those 12 siblings actually are the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. So each one of their names was one of the tribes. Uh, The book of Genesis describes Joseph as the favorite son of his father. How many of you have siblings? A few of you have siblings. Um, You know this, man. If someone says they're your favorite... The other children, how do they feel? They're kind of not as happy because, wait, I thought I was your favorite. So each morning I'll tell my girls, especially, I'll say, Abigail, you're my favorite Abigail in the whole world. (laughs) And I say the same thing to Bethany. Bethany, you're my favorite Bethany in the whole world. I don't say it to Malachi because if I said it to Malachi at 13 years old, he'd say, shut up, Dad. (laughs) That's kind of how it works, right? But when you see that kind of love or affection that a father gives to your brother or sister, it could create what it created in Joseph's family, jealousy. So Joseph was a bit of a dreamer, so he has this dream that one day he will rule over an entire region, even his whole family. He makes the mistake at 17 years old to tell his brothers who are already jealous of his dream that one day they will bow before him and serve him. Their jealousy now turns to hyper-jealousy. They became so jealous of Joseph that they started to make a plan to how they're going to get rid of Joseph. This hyper-jealousy was created because Joseph simply had a big dream. Now hear me today. If you don't have a dream that gets somebody a little jealous, your dream is not big enough. I want that to settle in for a second. Because some of us, we live with small dreams. Retirement is really a small dream. Well, no, it's not. I'm going to retire at 59 and a half. Hear this today. You can either have dreams for this life, or you can have dreams that impact eternity. Any dream that solely dies here is a small dream. But dreams that outlast our life on planet Earth, those are big dreams. Those are the dreams that God has called each and every one of us to pursue. 
big dreams. So you can either have earthly dreams, which none of them are bad, but if you solely live on earthly dreams and you never pursue eternal dreams, you will end up confused, depressed, disappointed. You will have 18 million degrees with nothing to show for it. You will switch from job to job to job, spouse to spouse to spouse, situation to situation to situation, because you have not found yourself living for God's eternal dream. Joseph had this eternal dream that would impact a region. Now here it is, Joseph's now walking toward his brothers one day. And as he's walking toward his brothers, scriptures say this, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. There's a whole lot, you thought your family was jacked up. And they said this, here comes the dreamer. I wonder how many times someone has tried to kill our dreams. Have you ever shared something with somebody? And you thought this was a good thing. God was speaking to you. You felt like this is the right thing to do. And then someone rained on your parade. Well, there's no way you could ever do that. Or they gossiped about you, talked about you, you know, whatever it was. Anybody had life kill your dreams? A lost job. You thought you're living the dream and then you lose that job. Things are going perfect. Everything's wet. But then all of a sudden you get diagnosed with cancer. You feel like you're pursuing everything you're supposed to pursue, but then life tries to kill your dream. Here's what I want you to do. Look at somebody right now and say, here comes the dreamer. Here is my goal today. My goal is to awaken the inner dreamer on the inside of you. Because I think some of us are either one of a few places. Some of us have lost the capacity to dream because life has been hard. And it's been difficult to dream and rise through the ashes of our past. Some of us are too busy complaining about someone else's dream that we're not celebrating the dream God's placed in our heart. And some may not even know how to dream. And so my goal today is to awaken an inner dreamer. That wherever you go, when you walk into a room, someone at your place of employment, someone at the restaurant, someone says, here comes the dreamer. Maybe most of you may have lost the dream. Right? Here comes the what? The dreamer. Well, it was a July day in 1401. When the cathedral at Seville in southern Spain wanted to build a brand new church. The whole church met in the outer court, in the court of elms. And according to oral tradition, the members decided, and let me read what they wrote. Let us build a church so great that those that come after us may think us mad to have attempted it. Let's build a church so great with such a big dream that people that come later will say, those people were nuts. Kind of reminds me of someone else I know. Because I look in the mirror sometime and think people think I'm a little nuts. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> you're saying, no, we don't think we know. Is that, is that kind of what it is? But think about this. They, they simply say, we want to build a dream so big that others people think this was crazy. When God spoke to Mary and I in 2007 about starting Church Unleashed, 
We felt like it was a monumental task that we may be unqualified for. You ever felt like that? Man, it's a big dream. But I love when you read uh, the archives about this church. In the minutes of that meeting, they made this statement. We want to build a church like no other. Then I was reminded of something I wrote just before we started our church. It was the declarations of what our church would look like. The very last declaration, which I didn't know when I read this, so this is pre this story, was to build a church like no other. It still stands, the church at Seville is the third largest church building in the world. See, I think that God has placed in each one of us the capacity to dream, but somewhere we lose that ability to dream. I'm a dreamer. And I want to see others dream. So here I'm making a a confession today. I am done building a big church. I quit. I want to build big people. And as you get bigger and you grow stronger and you unleash your full redemptive potential, of which I'm so passionate about, I got a tattooed on my arm. I believe that as you grow, guess what's going to happen to you? The church naturally grows. And so we want you to grow closer and closer to your destiny. See, no great church was ever built without a great dream. Church doesn't just happen, it's something you work hard for. No business was ever started without an audacious, crazy, a little insane entrepreneur. And no great life was ever built in the absence of a huge dream. See, God has placed in our hearts a huge dream for this area. But our dream is not just so we can have campuses all over Long Island. Our dream is to plunder hell and populate heaven. Our dream is to reach people that are far from God, rescue them, and bring them into a relationship with Jesus. That's called eternal dream. Temporary dream, build a building. Launch campuses, eternal dream. How do we get people to know Jesus? I want to build a church filled with people that are going after people that need Jesus. I want to see a church where we are so passionate about Jesus that we are literally, people are like, are you Jesus? Because we're living so much like him that they mistake us and him and they think they're intertwined. You and I are called to be like Jesus. Hear this today. The problem is, We cheer really loud. We get excited. But most of us suffer from VDD. Can you chant that with me? Come on. V-D-D. Say what? V-D-D. Kick the devil's butt. V-D-D. Ain't mediocre. Gonna get excited. That's about all this white guy's got. V-D-D. D, I'm ejecting it. V, D, come on, get the hands up. Come on, get the hands. Come on, church. Come on. D, D, ain't nothing here. V, D, D, gotta get a vision. V, D, D, gonna kick the devil's butt. I said that twice. You know what I'm saying? So think about this, right? V, D, D is vision 
deficit disorder. I think most of us suffer from that because we get small vision for our lives. See, having an education is a great thing. I have an education. Mary's got her master's degree. I worked on my master's. So we got some doctors in the house, some masters in the house, master so-and-so. You got your master's degree. All BA, BS. Some of us are full of all those degrees. <laughs> but at the end of the day, those are short-term dreams. They're not bad dreams, right? Because, listen, I want a doctor who's got a degree. Just me? Okay, listen. But they're short-lived dreams. They end with our life. There's a dream that God has called us to build. If you're a found person like I am who's been found by God, found people find people. That our mission isn't just to show up at church and do nothing else the rest of the week. Our mission is to show up for church on Sundays Be the church on Monday, be the church on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, Saturday. We were living the church, and then we get together on Sunday to say, how are you the church? How did you make an impact? How did you make a difference in someone's life? The problem is VDD is a thing that gets you stuck. It keeps you living limited and shortchanges your destiny, and it even destroys your spirit. VDD is a lack of vision for your life. It's a loss of eternal purpose. Have you ever had VDD? I have. I've, anybody ever get discouraged? Man, I, I made the mistake today. Anybody ever made a mistake on a Sunday morning before you come to church? I made a mistake today and I got an alert on my phone. It was in Messenger. I hate that thing. But I said, oh, let me just open this up. And so I opened it up and I got a really nasty message from somebody that basically said, I'm leading a group of people that's a cult. You no longer have the spirit of God in you, Todd. You know, I was like, like, why did I open up that message? Because here's what I know. If you ain't being hated, you ain't doing something right. Because there's always somebody that is against what you're doing. And so... It's interesting, because I'm reading this, I'm like, well, that's crazy. I don't, I, don't even, I don't even mess with you. I don't even talk about you. I don't even, come on. Like, I'm not going to tell you the guy's name. I might tell you where he works. I wouldn't do that. But he worked, no. Um, but it's interesting how sometimes, you ever had that moment, you feel a really good? I was feeling really good about Sunday, excited, and then the enemy uses so-and-so. To say, oh, you're just a cult leader. Oh, you're just a white guy who didn't dance. Oh, oh, right? Easily happen to all of us. Um, Counseling, therapy right now. I had somebody leave the church three weeks ago. I've never heard this reason to leave a church ever in my life until three weeks ago. And um, I was shocked. I got a message. I hate messages. And it literally was like, I'm leaving the church because you don't keep your windows open and you use curtains in your auditorium. (laughs) Now, I'm not trying to be mean, but I can give you a scripture for this one. The tabernacle in the Old Testament had no windows. 
Can you imagine the people of Israel? Hey, Moses, where's the windows in the tabernacle? Moses would be like, get your own manna. But you know what I've realized? That people take pot shots at those who are rising to the top. It's very easy to take shots at people that are... And we see that in politics, don't we? Let me tell you something. None of us would want to be the president. We couldn't handle the attacks. I know I couldn't. But I look and say today, you know what? I'm going to pray for those who are in authority over me. I'm going to serve them graciously and trust that God speaks to them. And windows or no windows, windows or no windows, when around three miles of Comac is 33,000 people that don't know Jesus and we're upset about windows, you have a vision issue. The light hit me in the eye, vision issue, and we'll give you a deeper one. Because we're about, we want to reach more people. So today I want you to dream again. And I guess I share that because I want you to know, you don't just get hit. I get hit too. We all get hit. But you know what makes winners? Is those who rise when they get hit. Scripture says the righteous will fall seven times and get up every time. So when you get attacked, when you get criticized, just know we're all getting the same thing. Be honest, I don't need any more people criticizing me. I've got more than enough. It's almost every day. Someone's critical of something. But that reminds me that I'm put in a position that I'm encouraging people, and hell doesn't always like that. So I want you today to leave with a renewed passion for Jesus. I want you to leave with a renewed passion for your family and for this church. I want you to be so excited about Jesus, your family, your life, and this church that you bleed Jesus. Because Here's what I've learned. The church that's alive is worth the drive. Church that's alive. I, listen, no matter if it takes me 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or 5 minutes, if that church is happening, I want to be there. I want to be where God's doing something, not where God's not doing anything. So Joseph, he's sold by his brothers into slavery, his blood brothers. I mean, it's crazy. So here's what I know. Simple. Not everyone in your circle is in your corner. There are a lot of people around us, and they seem like they're roaring fans, but instead they're getting close to you for an ulterior purpose. It happens way too often. Somebody needs to hear this today because I think so often we cry because so-and-so is not cheering us on. So-and-so didn't notice. I can't believe. You know, get over it. I'm not here to win friends. I'm here to plunder hell and populate heaven. I'm here to make an eternal impact in this life. Because when I stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, hey, Todd, how many Facebook friends did you have? How many Instagram followers? How many tweets did you use my name? What he's going to say is, how did you live my name? And I want a church that's filled with such dreamers that we live his name at work, at the grocery store, wherever we find ourselves, because not everyone in your life is going to understand what God's called you to do. Not everyone's going to understand the why behind your what. And so our job is literally to 
to develop this heart that as long as I got one person in my corner and his name is G-O-D, I don't really care who's not in my corner. So I've got to have him in my corner because you and God are a majority. Joseph's brothers were in his circle, but were they in his corner? They weren't. We have enough negative people in our lives. How many have at least one negative person in your life? I mean, we all do. Um, we have enough. We don't need any more negative people in our lives, honestly. What we need is, yes, we can people in our lives. That when you're going through it, no, you can get over this. You can get through this. You can get through this situation, this circumstance. We don't need any more haters in the church. We don't need any people that want to debate and get in our... No, we need people that are going to love and encourage each other. We need people that say to someone when they're going through sickness, you can overcome. We need people when they feel like they're depressed and discouraged and there's no reason to live. No, you matter. That's what the church should be filled with. I have enough people telling me what I can't do, what I shouldn't do. I need people saying, no, let's take Long Island and change the culture of this region. That's what I need. The Bible declares this. Think of this. Look at this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. When's the last time you thought of ways to encourage somebody else? Most of us, honestly, will say, yeah, all the time. But the reality is, we're not always thinking that. We should always be thinking, how can I encourage somebody else? That's why a lot of times I give shout-outs to our single moms. Because I know what it's like. Because I grew up in a single-parent home. I want them to know, you're okay, and you're going to get through this, and your children can make a difference in this world. That's why I love, and you'll see me from time to time, take a picture with one of our special needs family members. Why? I want them to know it doesn't matter what the world labels you as. You are still important, and you still matter, and I still know your name, and I'm still concerned about you. That's how do we motivate somebody else? You know, slip me a few love notes. I could use them this week. Seriously. See, I want to surround myself with people who motivate me. That's why I love Mary. Because I can walk away from a Sunday feeling really bad about a Sunday. And Mary will always find something good in anything that happened on Sunday. She'll always try and find a way to encourage me. If I didn't have that, I don't know if I, I, don't, I couldn't do what I do today. But I have her in my corner. I'm so thankful to have our staff in our corner. And many of you in our corner. See, you should not be mortified by people around you. You should be motivated by the people around you. I mean, there are times we go, man, and I see someone I really want to say hi to. Some of you know, because I run after you in the parking lot. Hey, how you doing? Because I want, I love that. If I ain't running after you. No, the truth is, you ever had that person? They go, oh, please don't see me. You see them at the grocery store? Come on. You know they're going to. It's, you're going to go from the joy of the Lord to, oh dear heaven, shoot me. Right? You get mortified. The church should not have one of those in it. The church should not have the spiritual discouragers. We should have the spiritual encouragers. Because it says, find ways to motivate people. I also believe this. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Not everyone in your corner or circle is in your corner. 
But what you make happen for other people, even those on the fringe, God always makes happen for you. We've got to understand this. You will get what you give. That's so foreign in our world today because it's, I give to get. Or I get, then I'll give. No, he's saying, I'm going to give and then eventually I'll get. Scriptural process is different than this world's process. It's called the law of reciprocity. What you sow, you will reap. So, I don't know about you, but I want to be an encourager. And I want to be encouraged. So, you know what that means? I've got to be an encourager to you. And to you. I said, man, you even look good with no hair. It's awesome. (laughs) I'm catching up. You know what I'm saying? And I've got to be an encourager. And if I encourage Danny, what's Danny going to do to me? He's going to encourage me back. Because, you know what? Man, it felt really good to be encouraged. You know, maybe that'll make him feel good to be encouraged. You see how that works? Are you still with me? See, it works. It literally is that cycle. Let us find ways to motivate one another. If you sow joy into people, they're going to sow joy back into you. If you give people hope, they'll give you hope. If you invest in people, they will invest in you. Scripture says this. You will always harvest what you plant. You're always going to harvest what you plant. So if you're planting seeds of negativity, what's your harvest going to be? If you're planting seeds of depression, what's your harvest going to be? If you're sowing seeds of discord, rumors, lies, gossip, manipulation, all that stuff, what's your, what's your harvest going to be? All that stuff times 10. But when you sow seeds of love in someone else, they're going to love on you. When you see, sow seeds of peace and strength and joy and motivation and desire, that's why you are the best looking church in all of Long Island today. Because it's always, it's not always about telling you what's right. It's motivating you to say, you can rise higher. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It matters who you're going through it with. And when you've got God on your side, you can get through anything. You will always harvest what you plant. At just the right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. See, if we want to become all that God's designed for us, we've got to plant the right seeds in our life and the right seeds in others. Because what you do for others is like a boomerang. Throw that boomerang out, it's going to come right back to you. See, what you make happen for others, God will always make happen for you. If you want to be blessed, be a blessing. If you're hoping for a miracle, be a miracle. Let's sow some seeds of encouragement, peace, hope, love, faith, and life. You see, here's what I've learned, that when people don't have a vision for others first, it will be hard to get a vision for themselves. It always starts with our vision for others. And if all we do is think of this life as selfish, that we'll never live for an eternal purpose. I've got to have this. I've got to do this. I've got to become this. Now, when God blesses us, we're blessed to be a blessing. We are never blessed to hoard it and to hold on it. We are blessed to share it. We are blessed, and if God gives you a platform, a capacity, or ability, God has blessed you. Be a blessing to somebody else. Too many people work so hard for themselves that they never take time for anybody else, and they're still living miserable. You know how many wealthy people I've had the privilege to talk to that are depressed, yet they have it all? Because at the end of the day, it's not what you have, it's who you have. And when you've got him, you should have joy and peace and strength and victory and abundance. All right, back to Joseph. He's in prison. God has given him the capacity to dream. 
but he's also given him this ability to interpret dreams. While he's in prison, he interprets two dreams. One was for the chief baker. The other one was for the chief cupbearer, both in Pharaoh's cabinet. The chief baker, he had a dream. Joseph interprets it, and here's the interpretation of the dream. Pharaoh will impale you and put you on public display as you rot. How many would have said, um, can you give me another interpretation, Joseph? The chief cupbearer's interpretation was he'd be placed back into his position. Joseph tells the cupbearer just one thing. Don't forget me. Just remember what I've done for you. Here's what scripture says. Pharaoh's cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph. (laughs) Never giving him another thought. Two years later. Two years later. Pharaoh is having this dream over and over again. No one in Egypt can interpret the dream. Light goes on. Cupbearer remembers. You know, there was this guy in prison. His name was Joseph. He interpreted a dream I had. Maybe he can interpret your dream. Pharaoh summons Joseph. Joseph interprets the dream. Two years later. The result, Joseph was filled with so much wisdom that Pharaoh puts him in charge of all of Egypt to manage what was coming. The interpretation of Pharaoh's dream was a big famine was going to come through. There's going to be years where you can harvest, and there's going to be years where there's no hope. Harvest now for the hopelessness later. That's a whole other sermon in there. But all started, think about this, when he interpreted someone else's dream. So think about it. If Joseph was crying for two years or for years in his prison for being unjustly accused of hitting on Potiphar's wife, if he was, I can't believe this, my life sucks, I mean, hashtag everyone else. (laughs) Couldn't think of a good hashtag, so that's all that came out. And if all he did was cry about it, he would have never had this capacity. What was his dream? Remember his dream? That he would rule over his brothers and a region. Now he's given an opportunity. He interprets someone else's dream. That person forgets for two years, but God brings him through the cycle. Two years later, all of a sudden, Joseph's dream is fulfilled because he interpreted someone else's dream. What you make happen for others, God will always make happen for you. And finally, your destiny can be delayed, but it will not be denied. So, so think about Joseph. He goes through 13 years of this detours and distractions and delays. Some of which may be familiar to you, but some of them are a lot bigger than what we've been through. Betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, served time in prison, but God never goes back on his word. What God promises, he will always come through on. Joseph is now, fast forward, he's in charge of all of Egypt. His brothers and their family, Jacob and all of the other kids, they're now experiencing this famine that was ravaging land. They have no food. They're going to die if they don't get food. His brothers go to Joseph, who's in charge, and they are now asking for food. He recognizes them. They don't recognize him. It takes a long story to break that out, but in the end, Joseph helps his brothers 
provides them what they need, and then he identifies himself to them. Listen to what he says. I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Pause, time out, stop. That's not what I would tell my brothers. I would be like, I got a few choice words that I can't say in church that I would like to, right? I mean, most of, come on, let's be honest. Some of you just act way too spiritual right now. But listen to what he says. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Think about this moment. I mean, this is like mind-blowing. He's literally like, wait a minute. I went through prison. I went through betrayal. I went through this and that. I was lied about. I was unjustly accused. I was convicted. I was set up. And yet God used all that pain, all that difficulty, all that problem to come back and save you. I mean, think about that. And yet we whine when someone sends us a message on Facebook. Oh, so-and-so doesn't like us. So-and-so doesn't care. Who gives a rip? I am not here to make anyone happy. I'm here to make him happy. That's what we're called to live for. And so he's saying, I've been through all this stuff. I've been through all this garbage. I've been through all these delays. What seems to be a distraction. But yet God's promises are yes and amen. He will never forget what he's promised for you. I mean, that's the beauty of this story of Joseph. Here comes the dreamer. Problem is, we're suffering from VDD. Just like maybe... Joseph might have had at some points. 13 years of detours. But if Joseph was not betrayed by his brothers, if he was not sold into slavery, if he was not falsely accused or imprisoned, he would have never been positioned to save a nation. You can look at what you're going through as a denial of your dreams. But God is using everything for his glory and your good. God will never go back on his promises for you. My prayer for us at Church Unleashed is that when we walk into any environment, people say, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the person who believes. You may be experiencing delays from health challenges, financial struggles, relational betrayal, or emotional baggage, all of which Joseph experienced. But Joseph teaches us this lesson. Nothing, lesson nothing, can stop you from your God-given destiny. The enemy cannot hold you down, and hell cannot hold you back. Life is not too painful for us to get through to see our purpose in all that God is using in our lives because you cannot be stopped. The Bible declares this, but you belong to God. Anybody belong to God in the house? Okay. My dear children, you've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. You can't be defeated because you have a presence on the inside of you. It is the spirit of the living God. He is on the inside of your life to cause you to be what God has designed you to be. Church, don't miss this. I want you to dream again. But I don't want selfish dreams. 
I want dreams that will impact eternity. I mean, we all have these dreams. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Come on, we'll shout it out on three. Get about it real quick. Think about it real quick. What did you want to be when you grew up? On the count of three, just yell it really loud. One, two, three. She may never remember. Right? That's what you wanted to be. But somewhere in life, we go from faith, I can be, to fact, there's no way I could. When have we lost the capacity to dream? God has put a dream in our heart, and it's a dream for you to become all that God's designed you to be. Do not get distracted. Do not allow life or hell to keep you from the destiny that God has for you. See, I think so often we stop dreaming because we've been hurt, betrayed, or we feel let down by God. But today, dream again because the spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit that's in this world. Here comes the dreamers. Don't get sucked into vision deficit disorder. The greater the attacks, the bigger your assignments. When you're facing difficulty, hell is trying to stop you because it knows your destiny. And so when you get attacked, when you get ridiculed, don't get discouraged. God is behind you. He is in your corner cheering you on. Rise again. Be what God has called you to be. Dream a bigger dream. Would you close your eyes as we pray today?